1: Good morning, 730 on Wall Street. I'm Michael McKee along with Tom Keane. It is a risk-off day in the markets. So that doesn't mean that some companies aren't making news. you got Blackstone out there. Um, they're expecting this month to finish raising the biggest buyout pool yet. They see some business ahead, according to a person with knowledge of the matter. They're looking for about $5 billion for a core private equity fund designed to mimic the long-term buy-and-hold strategy of warren buffett Symantec, the computer security firm going to buy blue coat systems about 4.7 billion dollars in cash add to their cyber defense technology area and here's an interesting one hunt oil company It's the energy explorer owned by billionaire ray hunt nearing a deal to form a joint venture to drill for oil in texas with tssp they're a lending affiliate of the buyout firm tpg TSSP commit as much as 400 million to help hunt drill wells on landed controls in the Permian Basin of West Texas, according to people familiar with the matter. Interesting, because of course, obviously, not a lot of people drilling for oil these days in the Permian Basin. All right, now uh, we are going to check in with Michael Barr and get the latest world and national headlines. Michael?
2: Mike, thank you very much. It is being described as the worst mass shooting in U.S. history. At least 50 people were killed and at least 53 were wounded after a gunman identified as Omar Mateen opened fire at the Pulse nightclub early Sunday in Orlando, Florida. Mateen's ex-wife, Sussur Yusefi, described him as an abusive homophobe with mental health issues.
3: In those moments of his emotional stability, he, he would express you know, um, his anger towards a certain culture, homosexuality.
2: We're learning from the victims of the shooting attack. Patron John Alamo says the gunman held his weapon like a Marine shooting from left to right. Another patron, Eddie Justice, texted his mother as he hid in a bathroom saying, He's coming. I'm going to die. Justice was shot and killed. The American Academy of Sleep Medicine is releasing for the first time guidelines for how much shut kids should be getting. The Academy recommends 12 to 16 hours of sleep, including naps for infants, 4 months to 12 months. And it says teens 13 to 18 years old should be getting 8 to 10 hours to improve attention and behavior. Global News 24 Hours
1: a Day, powered by our 2400 journalists. I'm Michael Barr. Mike. Thank you, Michael. Time now for the Land Rover Parsippany Bloomberg NBC Sports Update. Here is Rob Bushka. Rob?
0: Hey, good morning, Mike. After that four-game sweep of the Angels, the Yankees were feeling good. They had plenty of momentum, so dropping a series to the Tigers, is not really what Joe Girardi had in mind as Detroit beat the Yankees 4-1 to one in their starter. And former Mets draft pick Michael Fulmer extended his scoreless inning streak to 28 and a third innings. Michael Pineda fell to three and seven with the loss as the Yankees are now below 500 and they'll travel to Colorado. Mets fell in Milwaukee five to three. Baseball, probably the furthest thing from their mind though is their manager Terry Collins was hospitalized overnight in Milwaukee after requiring medical attention less than 30 minutes before first pitch according to Mets upper management. Mets are also off today. They'll host Pittsburgh on Tuesday. And speaking of Pittsburgh, the Penguins hoisted their fourth Stanley Cup with a three one win in San Jose in six games. Conn Smythe winner, your playoff. MVP is Sidney Crosby. It's his second cup. And Golden State will try and win the NBA Finals tonight when they host the Cavaliers in game number 5, 9 p.m. tip-off. And sad news for Jets fans, former punter Curly Anderson, a member of Super Bowl Three's winning team, died Sunday at the age of 80. That's your NBC Bloomberg Sports Update, Mike. All
1: right, thank you, Rob. This is Bloomberg Surveillance on Bloomberg Radio. I'm Michael McKee, along with Tom Keene. Your surveillance data check is not a happy one this morning. S&P futures are down by six, three-tenths of a percent, a 56-point drop for Dow futures. That's also a three-tenths drop on the day. Right now, we are going to uh, continue looking at what's going on with the Brexit debate. It is driving all of, uh, well, much of the gloom that is in the markets, uh, the FTSE down 40 points, seven-tenths of a percent right now, and the pound is trading for one forty one eighty nine, a half a percent drop on the day. Karthik Sankaran is director of global strategy at Eurasia Group, and uh, he leads their analysis of global financial themes, and the global financial theme seems to be um brexit which seems to be as themes go a little off key right now it is not going the way perhaps the conservative government thought when it first brought this referendum to the public
4: uh abs- absolutely i mean our, our our base case remains that uh a 60 percent chance that uh remain will win that britain will not leave the eu but um it's a um and the market's obviously worried because the polls are the polls are getting somewhat tighter. And um, you know, this opens up a bunch of different questions. One is related directly to uh financial instability within Britain itself. Uh, a second is um, the politics of the UK, will Scotland secede? What'll happen with Northern Ireland? And a third issue is uh, what happens to the uh to the broader EU in the event that um, Britain leaves, a lot of countries um, in the be tempted to leave as well.
1: Uh, Bloomberg's Simon Kennedy just finished an interview with George Osborne, the Chancellor of the Exchequer. Headlines crossing now. We'll have that interview for you here on Bloomberg Radio uh, very shortly. But uh, the Chancellor says that he does see investor concerns if the U.K. votes for Brexit. That might be putting it mildly. What do you uh, see happening as a reaction Uh, to, if, if, if the leave vote should win.
4: Well, I, I think, I mean, so far, sterling has been the, uh, primary shock absorber. It's taken, it's taken all the pressure. Uh, what's interesting is there has been very little pressure in gilts at all. Um, guilt yields are actually very low and so are, um, broader Eurozone yields in the context of a deflationary environment. One of the issues here is that it actually makes it, it might make it somewhat harder uh to make the case that catastrophe will ensue if uh, if Britain were to leave as long as all the pressures on the pound and not on and not on gilts, um which then translates into higher mortgage mortgage rates for people, and that might actually be something more emotive that gets them to uh, to, to the polls. Um, I think if Britain were to leave, we would see significant spillover and one of the big ones is going to be the uh, in the financial sector uh because um, if Britain were to leave it would lose the protections that it has as an EU member from seeing a significant portion of um, your denominated business repatriated which is something the ECB wants they launched a case they lost it with uh, with Britain claiming it was protected by its EU membership they would lose that so uh I think that's kind of the the in economic terms that's 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 a big place to look, and that would be significant because finance is a large sector of the UK economy. A significant portion of uh, of exports uh, accounts for uh, London standing as a probably the yeah. permanent financial center in the world.
1: Well, that is something that uh, Chancellor Osborne mentioned in uh, the interview with uh, Simon. He says that uh, they don't want to risk the financial services single market, and he says a couple more headlines: Britain would be permanently poorer. After Brexit, if uh, indeed the UK were to vote that way. And he calls on investors concerned about Brexit to speak up. He says this is not the moment for business to sit it out. Uh, he says he's confident the UK will vote to stay in the EU. You says, say that's your base case. But when you look at the polls that we have seen over the last couple of days,
4: what gives you that confidence? Well, I mean, we still think that uh, ultimately. Um the desire to be safe and inertia uh and inertia will win um you know it 's it's one of the reasons this is tough is because there are two social science principles at work: one is that people prefer safety the other is that angry people show up to vote and uh depending on which one of those uh issues dominates on any you know on the on the actual voting day um that 's why we are as close as we are, even though we think the economic case is incredibly strong. It's just that there are other factors that are influencing people and that are actually making them um, more, perhaps more likely to turn out.
1: What happens uh, on the continent if they vote to leave?
4: Uh, I, there's a widespread fear that uh, you will have other people tempted to do the same. Um, and that may actually uh, be reflected in markets. Now, One thing to keep in mind is that uh, for Britain to exit would actually be somewhat easier. We think it would be painful. There would be consequences, but Britain is not in the euro. It's not in Schengen, and it is a net contributor to the EU budget. There really aren't that many other countries that meet all of those criteria. Uh, so an unwind would be significantly more difficult for just about anybody else. But that doesn't mean that um, some some populist parties might not be tempted to ask for a referendum. Um, and one of the interesting things is that the actual – I mean, obviously, in financial market terms, what people worry about is the euro.
1: Right. Well, we'll continue the discussion here. Uh, we're speaking with Eurasia Group analyst, uh, Karthik Sanarakan on, uh, Sanakaran, excuse me, on Brexit in China. I'm stumbling over my words as I, as I look up what, to see where the pound That's is. That's called doing at the tongue keen. Doing the tongue keen yes. here. Sanakaran. The pound, 141.89, is, uh, down off by about half a percent right now as, uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Sanakaran says uh, that is taking the brunt of the concern right now of people about the possibility of a Brexit. Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by your Tri-State BMW centers. Visit them online at tristatebmw.com. At BMW, they only make one thing, the ultimate driving machine.
0: Business News 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash.
5: And it's Bloomberg Business Flash being brought to you by the accountants and advisors at Eisner Amper. Cybersecurity is on the mind of every business leader. Managing cyber risk should be, too. Get started with a cyber risk assessment. Learn more at slash cyber risk. Uh, definite uh, risk-off feeling to the market today. A global stocks down for a third day. British pound at an eight-week low while uh, boosting demand for havens such as uh, yen and gold, all because of this growing anxiety with the prospect of the U.K. exiting the European Union. Also, we have uh, Energy Company. Lower crude retreating. Bank of America Merrill Lynch saying there's still no reason to turn positive on oil service providers. Uh, NYMEX crude right now down 45 cents a barrel. That's down about nine-tenths of 48 to and p futures down five. Uh, Dow futures right now 51 points lower. That's down three-tenths. The Nasdaq futures down 18. That's down four-tenths. The euro, 112.73. The yen is up about a tenth at uh, 106.09. As drilling, 141.81. That's down about half a percent. Ten-year yield in the U.S., one6 Three percent. And we check the markets for you every fifteen minutes during the trading day, right here on Bloomberg Radio. And now back to Michael and Tom
3: uh, Jen Tucker. Thank you so much with your Razor Group, Karthik Shakanan, and uh, it joins us from Columbia University and working with Ian Bremmers uh, team. You know, Ian talks about a G zero world. Uh, y- you wonder how Europe continues forward. I mean, the polarities, the differences between. Southern Europe, Greece, the peripherals, the pigs, however you want to phrase it, within all of the new tensions that we have is the European experiment going to continue forward
4: well i mean that's that 's something that um, you know obviously the market's asking and I, my I, my sense is my sense is yes, but it 's getting but it's getting a bit more fraught. Now, one of the one of the interesting points is that the actual economic tensions about the single currency, I think, have abated a little bit because.
3: And real GDP is not all that bad across much of this soap opera.
4: Yeah, uh, I mean, you've, a, a couple of things have happened. One, I think, I think shale is very important because. And it, it's not, it doesn't affect – it affects Europe in a couple of ways. One is that by reducing the U.S. external financing requirement it kind of makes the dollar stronger, I, th- I would argue, on a permanent basis. Secondly, with Europe being the world's largest um, – the eurozone now being the world's largest oil importer, uh, you're actually giving a lot of support to kind of peripheral current accounts by what's happened to oil. Now, what that means is if you end up with a euro that's 110, let's say – it 's actually much more comfortable for everybody inside the eurozone than where right. they were in two thousand and eight. Um, the credit impulse is recovering i mean you 're seeing and then obviously after omt you 're seeing some very positive developments in terms of the spread right.
3: within multiple degrees from Colombia. Do you see in your reading evidence that governments can move currencies around
4: um the, it's really hard to
3: observe, isn't it?
4: Well, well, the, the New York Fed did a study on this, and they found that you can have instances, particularly where you have multilateral intervention that sends a very strong signal. And that mm-hmm. I, I know you were talking about the Plaza Accord earlier today. Um, and there have been pretty visible turning points, um, or at least things that, that signal a uh, – the signal a change in trend 1985 plaza 1987 louvre 1998 dollar yen so but you need to have everybody on board um single countries find it much harder to do
3: i mean mike you wonder with dollar yen we had a 105 handle earlier this morning where is that mark
1: well you got you gotta say at some point um the, all of this risk aversion is very bad news for some countries like Japan.
4: Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I think, you know, the pro- one of Japan's problems here is that they were told by the G7 and by Jack Lew that what was happening was not disorderly. Uh, which kind of potentially reduces the amount of support that they may get from the United States where they choose to do something. And that, but that feeds back into a larger political context of, tr- of trade, of, uh, of populism, um, going into an election year where trade is a, is a hot button issue. So, and it all kind of feeds back on itself.
1: Well, what's the, uh, the, the best case scenario? We've talked a lot about the worst case scenario, but what's the best case scenario coming out of uh, the vote next week, uh,
4: that they, um, you know, from the market's point of view, that that the, that, Bremen, that that the Bremer camp wins, um, you know, the market will breathe a sigh of the market will breathe a sigh of relief. I still think that raises some longer term questions about um, about about the EU. One of the, one of the points we argued in the piece we wrote um, in February March, which I think still holds is one question you have is, are the concessions made to Britain, specifically the acceptance of the EU as a multi-currency area, and kind of backtracking on this idea of ever-closer union, does it become something, a poll around people who who are opposed to sovereignty pooling can then gather because if the Brits got this, why do we have to sign up to more? And that would be problematic because even with the somewhat more favorable economic backdrop, I think the consensus is right that you do need more sovereignty pooling to make the Eurozone actually a going concern. Um you do need something more in the you know, whether it's um moving towards common deposit insurance, moving towards something more like common provision of cyclical stabilizers. You need all that. And does it get harder to do once you've told Cameron, you can have all these things, just stay?
1: Does he get uh – any more out of this if if they stay, or is is the negotiation done?
4: Um, the EU maintains that the negotiation is uh, that the negotiation is done. Uh, the problem is, um, in some ways, uh, Euroscepticism is so strongly entrenched within the UK, particularly within the Conservative Party. Uh, one of the questions that we have is if you do require treaty change, to do some of these other things to stabilize uh, the Eurozone economy, um, it has to happen through the treaty apparatus. And treaties have to be – treaty change It needs to be unanimous. <coughs> so what will the British ask for next time? I mean, Cameron got this much. Let's say you have another – a uh, conservative prime minister who wants somewhat more. Um, I think, you know, that's not what people are going to be thinking about on June 24th if, mm-hmm. um, you know, if, if bermaine wins. But it's a question for us going forward.
3: I just got a brilliant tweet, and I, I the, the gentleman, I believe, is in the United Kingdom. He said, please stop calling it helicopter money which is maybe the most insensible thing I've heard today. It's not helicopter money. It's a desperate fiscal policy. And I don't mean desperate editorially, but we haven't seen this before ever, have we? In Uh, your reading of history, have we seen an alternative fiscal policy before?
4: Well, I mean, we have seen seen monetized fiscal expansion, you know, on a number of occasions. And... We used to think that it always ended up with hyperinflation. Um, What's interesting this time around is that it is not happening, notwithstanding all the fears that 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 people had. If anything, uh, you know, I I have a joke that a developed market is one where the market goes – I can't believe you didn't do f- monetized fiscal expansion in emerging markets. Is one way they say. I can't believe you did do monetized fiscal expansion. That's clearly what they want more of from, <clears throat> you know, from Japan and yeah. from the eurozone.
3: Thank you so much. Greatly appreciate your attendance today, Karthik Eurasia <laughs> You group. did it too, <laughs> Karen. I, I Okay. Two of of, me, there's two of us. Excuse me. That's <laughs> two of us. We're all talking like Tom Keen this morning. Thank you so much. Drag and Bremer in with you sometime. The two of you yeah. together would be lights out. That would we'll be do absolutely. breakfast. Yeah. We'll do breakfast here on uh, surveillance. So Mike, we've got to do a data check, and the reason we do, it's actually of a modestly better tone than the last three hours.
1: Boy, you're looking for roses. I, I'm trying. Yeah.
3: Negative nine to negative six on S&P, and that's all cross-asset. Is well, fractionally better Swiss twenty-year, fractionally better Swiss uh, German ten-year, uh, in the yen, which was a one hundred and five handle now, is a lofty in yen weaker one hundred six ten. I'm trying to be optimistic, Mike. No, well, I'm trying to be constructive.
1: Yes, well, we appreciate that. Um, Gold I mean, was up
3: thirteen dollars, it's up only eleven dollars now. We know
1: that you're uh you're in a better mood than a lot of people because your team won the Stanley Cup last night. They
3: did. They woke me up to see it. I, I'll be honest that I was trying to get my surveillance beauty rest. And there was a tap on my shoulder, wake up, watch this. Yeah. And it was a joy to see. It was a it was truly a joy to see. And what what is remarkable for all of you globally who don't Follow the National Hockey League is they were dead when Mike, New Year's Eve, January tenth. Yeah, they totally Pittsburgh Penguins totally came back.
1: Something went right for them. Yes, unfortunately for the other thirty one teams.
3: Well, we'll See, it's a hockey-free world right now.
1: But we could lose uh, basketball could end tonight. Uh, I did not know that. Our 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 Golden State Warriors need just a victory this evening, and and then it's just baseball. They've been well golf. Baseball and golf. They've been too fabulous. Oh, you know, wait a minute. Isn't Wimbledon coming up? We're going over to. We could stay. A, yes, see Wimbledon. Strawberries and cream. Michael
3: McKean. I could McKean. do that. I could do that. Tom Keane with Francine Lacroix in London. We'll do that all next week with esteemed guests on Remain and on Brexit. From
4: New York, Bloomberg Surveillance.